You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Thursday, September 9th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. It's not too late to listen to the Ultimate Season Preview 2021 for previews of every team and every division from our local experts and Odyssey's NFL experts. Search Ultimate Season Preview 2021 today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. If you are new to our show, welcome. This is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets. New episodes each day, Monday through Friday, through this season and most of the off-season. If you like what you hear, subscribe to this show where podcasts are found. We will deliver those new episodes to your device each day as they're posted if you do that. And also leave this show a five-star review. It helps us out quite a bit. Really do appreciate it. In a little bit, I'm going to speak with Julian, the host of the Locked On Panthers podcast. It is our first crossover show of the 2021 season. Each Thursday, we will have a crossover episode with the host of that week's opponent's Locked On podcast. Julian and I are going to have a great chat about Jets Panthers, but there was a little bit of news that came out for the New York Jets on Wednesday. And I think it's relatively minor, but the team did vote on captains. There were five players who were named captain for the 2021 season. It's been interesting to see how the Jets have handled captains under various coaching staffs because most of the league, the players vote on their captains. And the Jets under previous coaches have used all sorts of different arrangements. There There was Rex Ryan who tended to name new captains every week he would name captains who either used to play for that week's opponent or maybe came from the city that week's opponent was based in he was trying to motivate players there was of course the one year where he just named his own captains Adam Gase brought the Jets back one of the few things I think Adam Gase brought the Jets that was relatively normal is that the players voted on captains and Robert Sala did things the same way and the Jets have two off captains two defensive captains and one special teams captain. And most notably, it's Zach Wilson. The rookie quarterback is a captain. No great shock on most teams, not all teams. The quarterback is a captain. Quarterback, of course, is a position where you need leadership from. It would not have been a shock to see the Jets not give it to Wilson as a rookie. Sometimes the rookie doesn't get the leadership role, the formal leadership role at least, but it seems like Wilson's teammates were impressed enough to name him captain, and if nothing else, this ends one of the sillier storylines surrounding Wilson. There was, and I'm not saying I agree with this, but just for your knowledge, there was some skepticism because of talk that he was not originally named a captain at USC, I'm sorry, at BYU last year. A bit silly if you ask me, a bit ridiculous to obsess over it some people did obsess over it so I think we can put all that to rest now the other offensive captain Corey Davis on the defensive side of the ball you have Foley Fatukasi and CJ Mosley and as far as special teams go you have Justin Hardy and a couple other 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 notable things about this 
three of the five captains are new to the Jets. In addition to Wilson, you have Corey Davis and you have Justin Hardy. And of course, Hardy was signed from the New Orleans Saints specifically to play special teams. He got a reputation for being a special teams ace. And it's not a great shock that this many new players are captains given the turnover you've seen on the roster. I mean, it, I think for any role, odds are you, you're going to see a new player there. But it shows you the Jets are really trying to turn the page, that these new guys have come in and they've instantly gained credibility within the locker room. And I don't want to go on too much about this because I think sometimes this stuff becomes kind of cliche, but that was notable to me. And another thing that was notable to me was Foley Fatukasi being named a captain. And the reason for that is the last couple of seasons, the Jets have had Steve McClendon, who played a similar role to Fatukasi. And McClendon, everybody you talked to around the team, they talked about McClendon's leadership. And I feel like the next time the Jets have a good team, you're going to hear players talk about the role Steve McClendon played in helping them to become better when they were young players. You know, even when they were playing on losing teams, when they had Steve McClendon, Steve McClendon taught them how to kind of be a pro things like that. And it's interesting because Fatukasi kind of is stepping into McClendon's role on the field. He played with McClendon. He developed into a really good run-stopping defensive tackle, just as, as McClendon did. And now it almost feels symbolic. It feels like Fatukasi has taken McClendon's role in the locker room, perhaps. And maybe to some extent this is speculation, but again, he was just voted captain by his teammates yesterday. And one other note is that Salad did indicate that they will have a rotating captain position on the team each week. So there will be six captains, the five players we named, Wilson, Davis, Mosley, Fatakasi, and Hardy will be captains for each game, but there will be a rotating captain position. They'll pick up one player to be a captain for that week. So perhaps you will see that Rex Ryan philosophy where you'll get somebody who's going up against his former team somebody who maybe has extra motivation. And that's actually a good segue into our chat with Julian Council, who's the host of the Locked On Panthers podcast, because the Jets this week are going to see a lot of their former teammates. And ahead here on our show, we're going to talk with Julian. Julian will actually lead us back in for the second segment of the show, where I'll answer Jets questions. And then in the third segment, you'll hear me ask Julian Panthers questions, which he will answer. That's all ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast on this crossover Thursday. Of course, we're all excited about Jets-Panthers on Sunday, and tonight's the first night of the NFL season. We have the Cowboys and the Buccaneers in the Thursday night opener and you may be looking to put money down on the game, well, gamblers of all shapes and sizes should know that our friends at Manscaped have a can't-miss bet for you today. The leaders in male grooming just launched their fourth-generation performance package. The betting odds are in your favor when you, you use the Lawn Mower 4.0. Across the board, this is the package to get you in the mood for whatever your gambling heart desires. Ready to take the leap to male grooming royalty? Two million men already have. Join the Manscaped movement by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON, that's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, at Manscaped, M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at Manscaped.com. Fellas, don't gamble on shaving with the wrong tools. Choose Manscaped. All right, let's get into it. Julian Council, of course, of Locked On Panthers. For the folks that listen to Locked On Panthers and know me, and our other host, John Butzko 
of Locked On Jets, who half of you guys already know of, assuming that half the audience is Panthers, half the audience is Jets. John, how are you doing, man? I'm doing very well. Very excited to begin the new NFL season, and I'm certainly hoping that Panthers fans also listen to Locked On Jets. I think it's a pretty good, pretty good listen, and Jets fans, feel free to listen to Locked On Panthers once you're finished listening to our daily episodes of Locked On Jets. Absolutely, especially this week leading up to the week one matchup, Sunday, 1 p.m., Bank America Stadium on 800 South Bend Street in Uptown Charlotte between the Panthers and Jets. And there's the built-in storyline, John, and we'll spend this time just kind of talking about the Jets leading up to this game. But really, the main conversation leading up to this game is it's a revenge game for Sam Darnold, who was straight away from New York after three pretty abysmal seasons as their starting quarterback. There's been a lot of plays on Adam Gase. It was his fault. And it wasn't really Sam Darnold. He never had any weapons, the offensive line, yada, yada, yada. I'm just curious, what exactly happened in New York, according to you, someone who talks about this team on a daily basis and sat there and deconstructed the film over three years of Sam Darnold as a starting quarterback of the New York Jets? I think as much as anything, Sam Darnold was kind of dragged down by the organizational failures around him. As you mentioned, Adam Gase was his head coach for two of his three seasons. Gase is about the last guy you would want in the room if you are trying to develop a young quarterback. He just really had no concept of how to build a successful offense in today's NFL. The only reason he got a head coaching job to begin with was that he was fortunate enough to be on Denver's coaching st- staff at a time where the Broncos had Peyton Manning. He eventually became the offensive coordinator and kind of rode shotgun as Manning produced record-setting results. He then went to Miami and failed there. But it goes beyond Gase. As you mentioned, there were not a lot of weapons for Sam Darnold. And last year, he lost probably his best weapon, which was Robbie Anderson, who you guys are now well, well acquainted with. The offensive line was a mess around him. And by the end of last season, he was just a guy who was playing with zero confidence and you could always tell at the beginning of a game that the big mistake was coming he would always have like a quality first quarter he'd be playing pretty effectively but that big turnover whether it was a fumble an interception it was always right around the corner and this was clearly a guy who was in need of a change of scenery now it's, it's difficult to say what Darnold can do going forward because I think he clearly was damaged goods he was dragged down by everything that was happening around him. It destroyed his confidence entirely. And he just did not know which way was up. And you're essentially trying to rebuild him at this point. This was a point I made on Locked On Jets during the course of the offseason. Yeah. When the Jets drafted him in 2018, he was a very promising player. And there was some talk among Jets fans that maybe, you know, a new coaching staff could come in and you could see some of that promise well the thing is you're not going back to 2018 you have three years of bad habits that were built in he never really developed his footwork he was constantly throwing off his back foot into danger high danger areas his accuracy was very inconsistent he's essentially a reclamation project at this point in time now how much of this is sam darnold how much of it can be blamed on the jets it's difficult to say it's difficult to separate this the surroundings from what darnold did but you're essentially trying to rebuild a guy from the ground up. Yeah, I I agree with that too, because like that's kind of the question, like how much of it was Gase and the Jets and you can't throw out the first year of his head coach with Todd Bowles, and 
Let's also look at Sam Darnold's first career pass was a pick six in that Monday night football game against Detroit, Detroit Lions. So he came into the league and immediately showed the kind of player he was going to be for the next three seasons. Now, we'll see how things are different in Carolina. Obviously, Robbie, who already has a rapport with, and DJ Moore, and Christian McCaffrey, and Dan Arnold that they just brought in from Arizona. He should look better. Like, I think he's going to be way better this year than he's ever been. But does that mean that he is the answer here in Carolina? I'm not quite sure. So it is interesting to hear your perspective in terms of like Sam Darnold and the weapons that are around him. So now you have Zach Wilson in town. I assume that you're probably fine with getting Zach Wilson. You can tell me whether that's true or not, but I imagine that most Jets fans are probably fine with Zach Wilson there at number two. You get the rookie deal. So at least for four years, you have him without having to pay an enormous contract. The fact that Sam had to get his fifth year option picked up there right after the draft kind of made things difficult there for him to stay in New York and try to be built around with Robert Sala and Joe Douglas as a general manager. So I can understand the reasoning behind bringing, sending him to Carolina, at least moving on with Zach Wilson. Is Zach Wilson at least better positioned to have success, unlike Sam Darnold was his first three years with the Jets? Much better, I think. I think that if Zach Wilson fails, there are not going to be the same questions that surrounded Sam Darnold because the Jets have built what on paper should be a much better offensive line. Let me give you an amazing fact. The Jets went 14 years between drafting first-round offensive linemen. Yikes. Since they drafted DeBrickashaw Ferguson and Nick Mangold in 2006, Mekhi Becton last year was the only was the first time that they drafted an offensive lineman in the first round. And then they did it again this year. They traded up for Elijah Vera Tucker. So now you have back-to-back first-round picks on this offensive line. You have Connor McGovern, who was a free agent signing from Denver a year ago, a bit of a disappointment in his first season. You have Greg Van Roten, who, again, you got guy yeah, you, you probably know well, who's probably the weak link on the offensive line. But yeah. my view on Van Roten is that if he's your worst offensive lineman, that's, if he's your best offensive lineman, you're in trouble. You should yeah. feature worst offensive line, then you can live with that. At right tackle, it's either going to be Morgan Moses or George Fant. The Jets have not really tipped their hand there yet. My guess is that it's going to be Moses. I think he's got a better track record. And the Jets have also done a much better job surrounding Wilson with quality receivers. You've got Corey Davis, who they brought in, in free agency. You've got Elijah Moore, who was lighting up training camp prior to suffering an injury. And the Jets are expecting him to be an immediate contributor. You've got Jamison Crowder, quality veteran slot receiver. You've got Keelan Cole, who's a nice veteran depth piece. You have Denzel Mims, who's a bit of an enigma. Second round pick a year ago. Had some food poisoning in the offseason that really kind of set him back. He lost a lot of weight. Jets seem like they're going to be working him in a little bit slowly this season. But if Wilson fails, it's going to be because Wilson failed. It's not going to be because the Jets let him down. They've done a good job, I think, surrounding him with quality pieces. Yeah, it's interesting to see. Like Corey Davis, I was in Tennessee for a period of time covering the Titans for the ESPN radio affiliate down there. And I was there when he was drafted fifth overall. And there was a ton of excitement about what he potentially could be. Him and Adoree Jackson were both drafted in the first round that year by Tennessee. And both those guys now playing in New York, or I guess New Jersey, technically, but playing for New York City teams. One playing for the Jets and Davis, the other playing for the Giants and Adoree Jackson. So I'm interested to see how he plays after coming off a career year last year. I love the draft pick of Michael Carter, the one from North Carolina. I'm a big Tar Heel, so he was awesome last year alongside Javante Williams. So there's actually some interesting pieces there, and they've at least invested on the offense line with the draft pick, like you said, of Elijah Barrett Tucker, and last year, Makai Becton. Now, defensively, I love what you have in Quinnen Williams. But the rest of the defense, I feel like there's a lot of question marks, right? Very well said. Uh, Quinnen Williams is expected to be a big impact player for the Jets, really came on at the end of last year. It was his second year in the NFL. He really began to put the pieces together. 
And they also have a good, I think they made a really good signing in the offseason, bringing in Sheldon Rankins to play next to Quinn and Williams. He's a guy you, you're probably well familiar with in the, from the NFC South. Yeah. Their other big ticket addition on the defensive line was Carl Lawson. They were expecting a lot out of him, but he suffered a season-ending injury in a joint practice with Green Bay. So the edge is a bit of a question mark. They did make a deal with Houston for Shaq Lawson, got him for a, a sixth-round pick, which I think was a good move. But he's not going to replace Carl Lawson in anything except the, the, having the, same, the uh, same last name. And corner is an enormous question mark. I mean, they, they don't have anything at corner right now, if I'm going to be honest with you. They have a bunch of first- and second-year players, every single guy except for Justin Hardy, who is really going to be a special teamer, is either a first- or a second-year player. And these are all guys who are either late-round picks or undrafted free agents. So they, this, this new coaching staff is really banking on its ability to coach people up. At the linebacker position, you have C.J. Mosley, who was a perennial pro bowler in Baltimore, but really has missed the last two seasons. He only played two games in 2019 because of injuries, and he opted out because of the pandemic last year. And you never know what you're going to get from a guy who's missed two seasons. So I think it's very accurate when you, you say that you have Quinn and Williams and you have a bunch of question marks. Yeah, and I'm interested, too, with Robert Sala coming over. He's a defensive guy, of course, had an awesome defense in San Francisco. When they were healthy two years ago, they were what, up by two scores, about six minutes left in that Super Bowl down in Miami against the Chiefs. It was very close to being a Super Bowl-winning defensive coordinator. He now comes over, brings Mike LaFleur, who's going to bring the same offense that you saw in San Francisco, the same offense that you see up in Green Bay with his older brother, Matt, coaching Aaron Rodgers. What's the overall expectations just from that coaching staff and the general vibe around them as they enter into year one as a, as a first-time play caller with Mike LaFleur and then as a first-time head coach in Robert Sala? Well, the Jets have not made the playoffs in a decade. And that is double the next longest drought in the NFL. Last year's 2-14 and 14 season was kind of a culmination of a decade of futility. You're talking about drafting, personnel moves, coaching. It's going to take some time to rebuild after that. So, you know, I don't know that this is a playoff team this year. I don't know that those are the expectations. I think what you're hoping for now, if the Jets win two games again this year, this season's a failure. I don't think there's any question about that. Putting an exact win total on it, I mean, I think maybe the five to six to seven win area is probably, probably what you're aiming for in a realistic world. But more than that, you want to see professionalism. You want to see this team competitive on a week-to-week basis because last year, this team looked like it did not belong on the field with its opponent most weeks. So as much as anything, you just want to see a team that looks like it's moving in the right direction. I think an ideal scenario would be something along the lines of what Cleveland did Baker Mayfield's rookie year where they were coming off that 0-16 season. And they had a losing record, but they kept getting better throughout the course of the season. And by December, they were a young team that was coming together that nobody wanted to play them. I think that would be kind of the ideal scenario. for them. Yeah, there's nothing like the hope of a franchise quarterback coming to town and a new head coach and the hopes that maybe things will be better. And like you said, it's been a, a while since the Jets have been a playoff team and been a contender at all in the National Football League. Let's take a quick pause, John. On the other side, you can ask me what you want to ask about the Carolina Panthers as we head into Sunday's matchup here in Charlotte. Well, Julian, as you know, we have Jets and Panthers on Sunday in Charlotte, and Bet Online is your number one spot for not only pro football but also college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, open now at BetOnline. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. 
Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. That's tonight. Buccaneers Cowboys. If you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers when signing up and using promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. This Sunday in Carolina, we will begin to see how well Joe Douglas and Robert Sala have begun in their goal of fixing the Jets. But if you need your car or truck fixed, go to rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, week one, Jets Panthers, our first crossover Thursday episode of the season. I'm John from Locked On Jets, along with Julian from Locked On Panthers. Julian, I have to ask the question that's on everybody's mind from the Jets heading into this week one game. How has Sam Darnold looked through, looked through training camp and the preseason? Well, I think early on, if we go back to May and June of OTAs and mandatory minicamp, when he was trying to learn the offense, it was a little bit up and down. But since the pads came on down in Spartanburg where they host their annual training camp at Wofford College, he's been pretty solid. Didn't see much of him. We didn't see him at all in the first preseason game against the Colts. Didn't see much of him, only seven plays against the Ravens in the second preseason game, had a completion to his former teammate and now, now teammate again, Robbie Anderson for a first down. And the only other time he attempted to pass was him just throwing the ball out of the end zone to get rid of it on when there's no one uh, open there on a first down and goal. So two good decisions by Sam Darnold. I thought he looked really solid against the Steelers in the third preseason game. Hat looked awesome in that final two-minute drive, hitting DJ Moore on fourth down for a first down, then two straight dimes to Terrace Marshall over the middle, and then a back shoulder throw to Robbie Anderson for a touchdown. You saw a lot of good things from Sam Darnold. Now, you also saw some things that raised some alarms when there was a third down over the middle, throws to Robbie Anderson. Behind him, should have been picked off. That's Tamika Fitzpatrick and not the Steelers' twos. That's an interception, in my opinion. There was also one play where Sam was trying to do a little bit too much and could have led to them either being out of field goal range or Mike Tomlin challenged this, could have been a fumble. So there's a lot of up and down good things you saw from Sam Darnold, but also some things that could concern you that we saw from during training camp and the preseason. But overall, I think it's been pretty positive with Sam Darnold building up his confidence as we head into the 2021 season. And hopefully the Carolina Panthers have found their new franchise quarterback. Now, Jets fans are pretty familiar with the Carolina group of skilled players. Everybody knows Christian McCaffrey and we know Robbie Anderson. He was with the Jet for four years, a successful undrafted free agent signing. Who are some of the other key players in this offense? Yeah, Terrace Marshall, I think he was a key draft pick for the Carolina Panthers. He came in probably battling for the number three wide receiver slot with David Moore, who they brought in from Seattle. He won that spot. They actually ended up waving David Moore. So he's Sue to be the number three wide receiver, love his talent. He probably would have been a first round pick coming out of LSU had he not had the knee issue that kind of 
had some teams go away from him. The, the Panthers actually had a first-round grade on Terrace Marshall. So I expect him to have a pretty solid rookie season as a number three option. I mean, obviously McCaffrey and DJ Moore are the two guys you're going to think of. But Dan Arnold, a free agent that they picked up from Arizona last year, had a career year. He's a converted tight end, was a wide receiver back in college, playing Division II football in Wisconsin. He's looked really good. All the training camp reports I've seen have been the connection that him and Sam Darnold have in the red zone. And last year, the Carolina Panthers were 28th out of 32 teams in the National Football League in red zone touchdown percentage. So that number needs to go way up. And having a guy like Terrace Marshall, who has the size that he has at 6'4 and the speed, and then having a Dan Arnold, who already has a connection with Sam Darnold, is going to be Sam Darnold, Dan Arnold. It's going to be fun to say all year. will be interesting to see the Carolina Panthers trying to take that next step and with their offense this year with Darnold under center. But he has plenty of weapons. The main concern, though, is the offensive line and whether it can protect him. Because as you know, that was an issue he had his first three seasons up in New York. And let's talk about that offensive line. What are some of the concerns that you have? Well, there's only one guy you can really depend on. It's Taylor Moten, who just signed a mega extension, four years, $72 million over the next five years here in Carolina. He's going to make, I think, $85 million potentially. He's a fantastic player. But outside of that, I don't really know what the Carolina Panthers have. John Miller, who's going to be missing um, Sunday afternoon because he tested positive for COVID. He's unvaccinated based off of him being out for 10 days. He will not be playing. But he was a starter last year at right guard and went healthy. He was penciled in to be a starter again this year. But now they're going to have Dennis Daly, who has shown that he can play, whether left tackle or inside at guard, where I think he's actually going to stick in the NFL. And he actually is probably their sixth starter which head coach Matt Rule said earlier this week. So there's confidence in him, but he wasn't going to be their top guy. You look at center, Matt Paradis, really struggled that third preseason game, struggled his first year here in Carolina after breaking his leg and coming over from Denver last year, bounced back. But this is going to be his final year as he ages and the Panthers want to find some younger guys on the offensive line. My main concern is that left side. Pat Elfline, Cam Irving, pro football focus rated something like 100-something offensive linemen over the last three years in terms of how many who played over 1,500 snaps or whatever. And those were two of the bottom five graded offensive linemen. And those two guys, Cam Irving and Pat Elfline, were the first two guys signed in free agency by the Carolina Panthers. I understood that they wanted to address the offensive line, that they value versatility, because Elfline potentially could slide over and be the center next year. He probably has more of a center build than a guard build currently. And in Irving also has played guard. He's now going to be the starting left tackle, at least for now. There are certainly a lot of concerns about those guys who have proven in multiple stops across the National Football League that they're really not starting caliber players. Maybe they'll improve this year. I don't know. The Panthers do have options in terms of depth with the two guys they drafted in Deontay Brown, a six-rounder out of Alabama, who was a monster. Dude's like 350 pounds, was a just plowing through dudes throughout the preseason. If he gets an opportunity, I think he could really be good for them in the future. Brady Christensen was All-American last year at left tackle, protecting Zach Wilson's blind side. But the Panthers see him as more of a guy on the right side, as far as where his future is. But currently, the guy on the right side, Taylor Milton, who's more comfortable there, is being signed to be there for the next five seasons. So there's plenty of concern in terms of just the talent that they have in the offensive line. I think they have options if some of those guys falter, but they're young. So in the, in the National Football League, you're not really quite sure – especially with offensive linemen to take a while to develop if you're ready to have them go out there and you can rely on them to give Sam Darnold the protection that he needs. Just briefly take us through the Carolina defense. What do they do well? What areas are you concerned about? I love the defensive line. The defense last year in the final six games of the season, actually, I read this the other day, they were basically a top 10 unit. I mean, they were 
sixth in total yards allowed, ninth in total points allowed, and seventh in, sa- and seventh in sacks per pass attempt. So if they can go back to that this year, when you add A.J. Boye, who's going to miss the first two weeks of the season with the league PED suspension. Hassan Reddick had 12 and a half sacks last year. You bring in Daquan Jones at defensive tackle, who has been a solid starter for Tennessee Titans the last couple of years, a team that played in the AFC title game just, what, two years ago. I, I love those additions, especially when you talk about Brian Burns, excuse me, who is very close to being a breakout player. Somebody thinks he's going to be a pro bowler this year and have 10-plus sacks. Jeremy Chin. Could have been defensive rookie of the year last year if the guy named Chase Young didn't exist. Derek Brown was their first-round pick last year. Thought he looked good towards the end of the season. Just didn't have that veteran next to him. And when you bring in Daquan Jones to play next to him, I'm really excited about all the options. And even some of the guys, the answer is like Frankie Louvu, who was brought in to just be a special teamer, looked really good when it came to pass rush this preseason, him and Marquise Haynes and Etor Grossmatos, who was a second round pick out of Penn state, who was banged up a little bit last year. There's plenty of pass rushing options for the Carolina Panthers. I think they're going to be spectacular when it comes to the pass rush this season. Linebacker, a little bit of a concern. Shaq Thompson's been around for a while. He's a veteran. I know fans haven't always been a fan of Shaq Thompson. Thought he played fairly well last year. Jermaine Carter Jr. now taking over as a middle linebacker after beating out Denzel Perryman, who then was later on shipped over to the, Las Vegas Raiders, but at safety, it's kind of a concern. Like Jeremy Chin, going back to his natural position, I feel good about that. Last year, Justin Burris, who's a former Jet as well, I don't know if you can really make too much of what he did. He only had one play where he had a game-saving interception on the road against Atlanta that really stood out to you. There's just not much depth there. So if I had any concern on the defense, maybe the safety depth, even though I think the Carolina Panthers really like the two young guys that they have back there in Sam Franklin and Sean Chandler. You know, Julian, we've heard of lots, lots of familiar names for Jets fans. They would talk to Sam Darnold, Robbie Anderson, and then some lesser-known names, Pat Elfline, who played with the Jets the second half of last season, Justin Burris, Frankie Lubu. But there's one other familiar name, and that's Matt Rule. And when the Jets hired Adam Gase a couple of years ago, they chose him. They almost hired Rule, and things fell apart because the Jets' front office demanded control over his coaching staff. I'm not going to go on a rant over how ridiculous that was. But I'm interested in your impressions on Rule after one season, whether you think he is the right guy for the job, whether you think he has the Panthers moving in the right direction. I certainly think he has them moving in the right direction. I was baffled by their decision for another former Jet, Teddy Bridgewater, for, why, for them signing him. I, I understand why they would do it because Teddy played in New Orleans, was there with Joe Brady. He knows the offense, so it's an easy transition. They clearly didn't want to bottom out and be a bad team. They wanted to try and be competitive, which they were. Last season, they were 0-8 in final-minute drives where they either had to tie or win the game. So it was a, it's national football. These guys weren't getting blown out, so they had opportunities pretty much every week to go out there and win the football game that they obviously failed on. And in large part, Teddy Bridgewater is a reason And that's why he's no longer here in Carolina. So I think Matt Rule at least has done a good job now with Scott Fitter, the new general manager, came over from Seattle in building this roster. He's brought in a lot of former Baylor and Temple guys where he coached in college to kind of implement his culture. Having veterans like McCaffrey and Shaq Thompson on the roster certainly helps, and DJ Moore. So I think culture-wise, these guys have bought in to what he's selling them. I do think that next year, because that's when you typically see with Matt Rule back when he's at Temple and at Baylor – You see a big leap in that second season, and then you see that huge leap in that third season where they were a 10-1 team at Temple. They were an overtime away from going to the college football playoff at Baylor. I think next season is when we're going to really see Matt Rule build this 
organization, this franchise into a playoff contender once again. And pretty much every head coach in Carolina Panthers history has been to the playoffs except for one. So I do expect them to get to the playoffs one day. The only thing is David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, promised us sustained success. I'm not here for a playoff run, miss the playoffs for a couple seasons, playoff run, miss the playoffs for a couple seasons. That's been the history of the Carolina Panthers for the past 26 years. They've never had back-to-back winning seasons. If you can get back-to-back winning seasons, Matt Rules are, is okay in my book. That's what I want to see. I want to see constantly being in the playoffs and constantly being a contender in the NFC. So I think he is on track to get to the playoffs one day, whether he can sustain it, that's to be determined. Julian, great chatting with you. I hope you enjoy the game. Perhaps us chatting again in February for the Super Bowl is a little bit too ambitious, but maybe one day we'll be there. Yeah, who knows, man? Anything, anything can happen. I saw Bill Barnwell on uh, Wednesday on ESPN. He made a case for all 32 teams and how they can make the Super Bowl. So even the Panthers and even less so the Jets have an opportunity uh, to make the, the Super Bowl this year and win it. We'll see. But it would be awesome to be able to talk to you uh, later on, I guess, in, what, in February, I guess, when they're in Los Angeles. So that'd be cool. But, John, excited for the game on Sunday. Excited to see uh, what the Jets have in store for this, this season and what the Panthers have in store. And thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a five-star review. Have a great Thursday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to preview the game between the Jets and the Panthers.